0: Good to be with you this morning. Could you stay up here, sir? Just one second. God says you've been faithful to to share your gift with him, and you've been faithful to serve him, but he's more faithful. Faithfulness is an honored position in his kingdom, and he honors you for your faithfulness. And There's something you've been praying for and desiring in your heart, but it hasn't happened. I don't know what that is. Does that make sense? He said he's going to be faithful in it. You will reap. And you will reap what that is, that desire that's in your heart, that which you have sought him for. He hasn't passed you over. He hasn't not seen it. In due season, you will reap. God bless. It's good to be back with you again. I don't know if, he, if who was here or who wasn't. <laughs> We were here, I think we were discussing 2019, for all the craziness started. <laughs> God gave me a, a, a prophetic word for this year, earlier this year, and it, I didn't really like all that. I, I spoke, one of the things was this, this year was going to be a year of great chaos. And I said, can we pass that over God? And he goes, no, that's the, that's the timing we're in. Uh, but uh, we, are, we are so glad to be with you today. Um, we fought to get here. This has been a battle, so I'm expecting good things today. My, da- My dad was a, uh, an evangelist, a traveling minister when I was a kid, and when we had a hard time getting somewhere, he always said, we're going to have a good service today. I expect God to do great things today for the battles we've had to get here this week. In fact, earlier this week, I was making sure I didn't have COVID so I could come. <laughs> Thank God it was just a small virus that passed quickly. Uh, but uh, we are so glad to be with you today. We do have some books available in the back. Uh, there are six of them. I won't go through all six of them here <laughs> right now. Uh, if you'd be interested, we rewrite those to help uh, disciple impact the, the body of Christ. And so if you're interested in getting any of those, you can see my wife after service, serve She'll be happy to help. Is there something you'd like to share?
1: Yes, the Lord told me to share with you about the burn that we are a part of. How many of you may have heard of Sean Foyt? Have you heard of him no well i'm going to encourage you to google it <laughs> your worshipers in this house, so you will want to know what's going on with Sean Foyt. his last name is f e u c h t i'm spelling it because it doesn't look like foyt <laughs> and i wouldn't i couldn't find it when I tried to spell it with an o <laughs> Sean foyt has led and he actually started it during covid he's led a worship movement in america to break through the darkness of the pandemic and to keep people encouraged in churches and what he did and is still doing he's doing outdoor worship crusades basically and they they called him a protester <laughs> he would go and he's been like you name it he's been there he's also he's actually come to asylum springs And um, did one over there early on when he was getting started with this. But he is the founder of a movement called The Burn. And The Burn is about lifting up worship in specific areas. Um, Burn, they call them burn furnaces. Basically, they have local chapters of The Burn organization. And we are part of one that has been opened up in the Bentonville area and we're serving all of northwest Arkansas on the other side of the tunnel for now. But we recently received a word from the Lord last week that we're going to start branching out into other parts of the state and having, helping them increase in their worship as well. And since you are obviously wor- worshipers in this house, I thought you would like to know about it and get more information on that. We will be having a 12-hour burn. That's 12 hours of nonstop worship in August at the Fayetteville Prayer Room. I believe it's the twenty seventh i don't i don 't have a calendar but i 'm pretty sure it 's the twenty seventh whatever that last Friday is in August the twenty something it's going to start at nine in the morning and go till nine at night so you can you don 't have to stay for twelve hours. I probably won't be there for twelve hours either, but I am doing the open break open the day at nine o'clock that would be me worshiping at the Fayetteville prayer room august twenty seventh I encourage you, if you have an opportunity, if you can make the time in your schedule to pop up there and see what God's doing. Those services that we have, and I hesitate to even call it a service, but because of church foundation, that's the word we're familiar with. There's no preaching. There's no offering, although we make give opportunity to sew into the ministry, because for one thing, we need some outdoor equipment so we can start doing outdoor burns. We also go to people's homes and do neighborhood burns, where we'll sit on your front porch or your back porch, and you invite over whoever you want to to fill up your house. And we worship together. And honestly, those are my favorite ones, because it's so easy to get in unity in that atmosphere. And the greater the unity you have in a building or in a space, whatever that space looks like, when all the people have a like-minded heart to just worship the Lord, so many powerful things happen in that place. In the household burns, and we call them bonfires, and those little bonfire burns, <clears throat> we make room to give witness, to give testimony, to share the salvation message if people have come that don't know the Lord, because isn't that what it's really about? Everything we're supposed to be doing is about leading people to him. So I just wanted to make you aware of that. If you're not already, Google Sean Foyt and The Burn. Our local chapter is called The Burn NWA. And we have our own website, Burn 24-7 NWA. So check us out if you want to become involved with that. We welcome you to come and participate. Bring your team and minister with us in a Burn. Just anything you want to know about it, I'm your girl.
0: Oh, I need that with you. Okay, if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to be going to 2 Samuel, chapter 6, verses 3 to 11. This is one of the weirdest sermons that God's ever given me, and uh, it's called, Why Did Uzzah Have to Die? And he I actually got this sermon two years ago. It was for a specific church, and I figured this will be the only time I ever preach this. About three weeks ago, when I began to pray about what he wanted us to do here today... I kept trying out different things and it just wasn't fitting. And this kept hitting in the back of my head. And I, oh, God, that's not for here. <laughs> you know? And then earlier this week, he really emphasized this is where I want you to go, but we're going to do it different than what you did last time. And so we're going to look at three things this morning why Uzzah had to die. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you some background here on this. Uh, David is desiring to have the glory of God restored to the children of Israel, God's presence in their midst. He's built a tabernacle without walls, so when he brings the ark in, he'll put it right in the center where the people can come in and physically encounter God's presence and his glory by themselves. Only time in the history of Israel. He's He's actually breaking what we would consider the law to do this, but he looked out into a future and saw a time there would be a worship without walls and said, I want that. And God said, you can have it. It's the only thing God said, I want to rebuild (laughs) is the tabernacle of David because God loved that heart. See, guys, I want to encourage you. The only thing that holds back anything that God has for us is us. Our unwillingness to seek, ask and knock, our, our unwillingness to cry out Robs us many times of what God wants to do in our midst. And so David decides, we're going to go get the ark and we're bringing it in. And in the process of going into the ark, they went and they built this brand new cart, real nice cart. They hooked it up to some oxen and they began to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the, to, to Jerusalem. Now, the ark was resting in Uzzah's dad's house. That's where, when, the, when the Philistines who had stolen the ark returned it. They had brought it back to that house and that's where it stayed so David takes a company of the people of Israel and they go to receive the ark. And so Uzzah and his brother, the brother's leading the oxen and Uzzah sort of walking on, on the back corner there and they're helping guide the ark back to Israel. And that's the backstory of where we're going to pick up at here today. And so let's look here and we're going to pick up at Second cha- uh, Samuel chapter 6 verses 3 to 11. So they set the ark of the God on the new cart and brought it out of the house of Abimadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Aho, the sons of Abimadab, drove the new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abimadab, which was on the hill accompanying the ark of God. And Aho went before the ark, then David and all the house of Israel played music "...before the Lord on all kinds of instruments and of, of wood and harps and on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on cistrums, on cymbals. And when they had came to Nakon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error. And he died there because of the ark of God." And David, because became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah. To the and to this day, to this day, David was afraid of, of the Lord that day, and he said, "How can the Ark of the Lord come to me?" So David would not move the Ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obimedeb uh, of e- Edom to the Gittite, and the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, and the Gittite, and for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. Now, today, we are the dwelling place. We're the temple of where Holy Spirit, where God dwells. And that time, where the ark was, was where God was. That's where his glory rested upon. And so, uh, David understood for it needed to be in a place that represented all of Israel so that all of Israel could be blessed. Now, I'm sure Obed-Edom was, because we know the history of him, once they take the ark out, he goes and he becomes a doorkeeper of the house of God so he can be near the ark. He moves just to be near it. Later, he'll become a bookkeeper. He'll become part of the choir. Anything he could do, he did so that he could be where the ark was. Because once you taste the glory, you don't want anything less. Right. <laughs> Once you've seen what God can do, that nothing else will satisfy. And uh, I, I want to give you some history of where we came through because I want to show you the process of what God does in people's lives. And I'm here to prophesy some stuff over you guys today. God spoke to me last night. He, he, saw, he showed me some of this the other day, but he spoke to me again last night that there's many places he's choosing to move on right now. There's many he's not going to move on. He's chosen, if you guys will receive it, he wants to move here. He has a move for you. Now, I I can't fully define that because he's told me that this next move is not going to look like anything we've ever saw before. In fact, a few years ago, he said this move, we will see miracles that no one's ever seen before. And so we, we, we keep, the moment we start trying to define stuff is the moment we rob ourselves of all that God wants to do, <laughs> okay? And so I'm not here to define anything for you today, but I want to I show you something. I, I grew up, how many you know where Mountain View, Arkansas is? That's where I grew up at. And when I was a, a, a kid from about 7 or 8 years old up to about 10 to 12 years old, somewhere in that range, Mountain View went through a four-year revival. And uh, I so I grew up in revival. My dad was an evangelist. I I was in church a lot of times, seven days a week. (laughs) I probably when I was a kid, I probably slept under more pews than I did in beds. (laughs) Okay, church was my life. I was leading people to uh, other young people and kids to the Holy Spirit when I was ten years old. If there were kids or or young people who came to the altar, my dad would say, "You go pray for." (laughs) I didn't know what I was doing of Jesus, that was about my best prayer, right? <laughs> uh, but God honored that. I, I got to begin to see people feel with the Holy Spirit and God do things in their lives when I was 10 years old. And uh, so I, I grew up in revival. That's what I knew. I didn't know normal church wasn't that much on my scope. If it wasn't something crazy happening, I, I didn't know what to do with church. Went off to Bible college, and they worked that out of me real well. <laughs> My wife and I began our, 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 our ministry in just south of New Orleans in a little town called Boutique, out, out in the bayou there as youth pastors. God blessed, did great things, but it was a lot of our effort. We, did, we weren't doing it with him, we were doing it for him. I'm not going to tell you the whole life history. I'm going to skip along. After a few years, we pioneered a church in Bailey, Colorado. Now, God began to work on us and do things in our lives in a deeper, deeper area. Her, my wife's brother was killed in an automobile accident in Mississippi. We married him, him and his wife in New Orleans, um, and the next day, while they were on their honeymoon, she fell asleep and drove off and hit a, a concrete culvert and it killed both of them. And it devastated us. And my wife was going through a really rough period. And my mom calls me one day and, and Wally and, and Marilyn Hickey was having Rodney Howard Brown at their church. And she says, go see if this guy's for real or not. <laughs> I've heard some stuff about it. I had never even heard of the guy. And so we went, and only, only time I'd ever seen in my life a guy give a 30-minute offering spill and say, now does anybody here want to know Jesus? And 50 people come forward and give their life to Jesus. I'm like, there's something there. <laughs> he asked for money for 30 minutes, and people get saved. You know, that, you know it's anointed. <laughs> well, the second night that we went, my wife went forward. Be prayed for now. I, again, I grew up in revival. I saw people slain in the spirit. I saw holy laughter. I saw miracles. I saw healings. I saw all kinds of stuff growing up. That was that was normal church to me growing up. My wife was not. That was not the case. She'd never been around any of it, and so she was scared to death of what she was seeing. If a move of God doesn't scare you a little bit, it's not a move of God. Okay. And so she, uh, she, but she needed something. She was hurting. So she goes forward, first time in her life, ever slain the spirit. She comes, goes down, broken, comes up, healed. And God restored her that night. And he opened both of us up to what he was about to do in our lives. So we pi- start pioneering our church in Bailey, Colorado. Had we known what we were getting ready to get into, we probably would have said, God, find somebody else. We're not ready for this. And we weren't. Bailey is a town outside of Denver, Colorado up in the mountains about 45 minutes 10,000 eleva- elevation of 10,000 feet and uh, it had three Satanist covens in this little town we were told when we went there by the people who lived there if they ever give you a problem don't call the cops because the cops are part of them <laughs> you're on your own and uh We had stories of people that had just disappeared. (laughs) It was just swept under the rug. Their favorite tactic was to intimidate you until you left if they didn't want you around. And so after being there for almost a year, they began to go in the woods behind our house. And our boys were about three years old and six years old or four, two, I don't know, somewhere in that range. And they would go out behind the house and our boys would be on the back deck of the house, and they would call out to him, come out in the woods and play with us. My wife would go out there, and they'd say, come out in the woods and join us. The way our house sat, there was two houses on a little spur road on the side of the main road. Unless you lived in those two houses, you had no reason to drive on that road because it was just extra driving. And there was a vehicle that would drive around and around and around that road over and over and over. And then about two or three hours, another vehicle would take its place and do the same thing over and over and over just to intimidate us. One night, my wife wakes me up in the middle of the night and says, something's wrong and she's having a hard time breathing. She's got a fever and there's a red rash moving up her body that's covering her entire body. And the further up it gets, the hardest time she's having to breathe. We prayed. The rash went away. She was breathing normal. I said, I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> Within 30 minutes, she's waking me up again. and said, it's coming back. We prayed. We watched it go away, and we worshiped for a half an hour, and it never came back again. It wasn't physical. It was spiritual. A couple weeks after that, God wakes up my wife in the middle of the night and says, get out. They're getting ready to burn your house down. I contacted my presbyter and said, My family's being threatened. I've got small kids. We're not doing this. We packed on that, that that was a Thursday, I think it was. Friday, we got a truck. By Saturday, we were packed. Sunday, we resigned and we were gone. With our tail between our legs, we just got beat. We weren't ready for that warfare. we moved him with my mom and dad because we had no place else to go at the time they pastored in Walsenburg, Colorado and uh, we worked at a ski lodge there for a short period I found myself alone at home a few weeks after that at my mom and dad's house and I'm laying on the living room floor and I'm praying this prayer God what do you want me to do because obviously I'm not ready for the ministry I quit like a lightning bolt, he hits me in the chest. It shakes me. After I shake and convulse for a few minutes, I feel warmth begin to go and God begins to heal. And God begins to restore. A few months after that, he moves us to a town, Springer, New Mexico, to pastor a church. A town about fifteen hundred, twelve, fifteen hundred people, somewhere in that range. Now this we did no idea what we were getting into. Hey. This town that he moved us to, the church that we were going in had had four splits in six years. Now, a town that size, how many you understand four splits in six years? The, 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 the word is, don't go to that church. <laughs> right? There were people that went to that church that the original split, the people who went to it, if they saw each other on the street, they would cross streets so they didn't even have to say hi to one another. It was, the whole town was toxic from what had happened. No, now, we don't know any of this, but the night that they had voted to us in as pastors, we're driving out of the town, and God says, I'm sending you here to bring restoration. When God begins to move, He gives assignments. If you obey His assignments, you're going to see things that's going to blow you away. He'll do things with you that there's no way you could do. We moved there in March. By the 1st by the of April, I've made friends with the pastor of the first split. He and I are prayer-walking the town together. We got a few looks. <laughs> We're supposed to be enemies, according to the way that town's structured. We prayer-walked the... It wasn't a real big town. It was Mayberry of New Mexico, okay? <laughs> That's what we called it, Mayberry. You'd look out your front window and never go the cattle drive across town. <laughs> Cowboys would ride in, tie their post to the hitch, their, their horse to the hitching post, go into Brown's hotel, have them a meal, go back out, ride back out the ranch, and go back to work. <laughs> it, it was it was the West. First of June, we now remember we moved there in March. First of June, we have a joint service for all the splits. Had over a hundred and something people there that night. There were people in that service who hadn't talked to each other for five years. I preached out Nehemiah chapter 1. Restoring the reproach. I finish. We pray a prayer of reconciliation and forgiveness. And I tell them if you've got somebody you need to work it out with, go do it. People are hugging and, and forgiving that haven't spoken to one another in five years. Tears are flowing, and God is healing an entire town in front of my eyes. Now it wasn't anything I did. I didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> Had I known, I would have probably messed it up. Two years after we left there, God restored the first church that split off and the original church, and they became one church again. And God did mighty things in that town. See, my job was just to bring, he took me, now, now hear this, after we've been there, my family there, we've been there for just, what, three months. I'm excited, we just saw this big reconciliation service. I step out of my, my office, was in our, the parsonage in the home there in the front room, I step out of that and go to go have lunch on Tuesday of that week, and God says, okay, you're done here. My like, God, I just moved here. <laughs> My wife loves it here. I got to go tell her we're done. She's going to hit me <laughs> with something heavy. <laughs> this is not going to be pretty. She wasn't happy. She didn't hit me, but, but she wasn't happy. She says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray and read the word. Preach on Sunday. If someone's in the hospital, go visit them. Don't worry about pastoring. Just pray and read the word until I move you. I read the Bible through in three, three times by the next March. I prayed and wept. And, I mean, I wept more in that nine months than I pre- probably wept in my entire life. And God just poured into me and poured into me and poured into me. We moved to Mexico. I say that because the little town that we moved in looked more like Mexico than it does any of the towns in the United States look. It was a little dusty desert adobe town in southeast or southwest new mexico 20 miles from arizona 50 miles from old mexico when we went and tried out they voted us in my wife said we said we'll let you know by wednesday what we're going to do as we're getting before we get out of the town my wife looks over and says this isn't for us (laughs) by the time we got to las cruces god had convicted us so heavy that we didn't even wait till tuesday we stopped in Las Cruces, which was an hour and a half away, and said, we have to come. God won't let us. He arrested our hearts. We moved there in March. And uh, the, I think it was the third week of April on a Sunday night, I preached about vision. And I stopped in the middle of my sermon. I said, what do you want to see God do in your church? An 80-something-year-old lady whom everybody respected highly. She was the adult Sunday school teacher of that church. She, uh, my wife says, you're having a hard time hearing me. How's that? Is that better? So she said, uh, we want the next generation reached. We had our move. When they were kids and teenagers, the majority of the people, they'd had a move of God come into that town, and they all got saved. She said, we had our turn. It's their turn now. Pastor, if you need buses, we want the music that's going to bring them in. Whatever brings them in is what we want. You do for them, not for us. We're going to have it. God liked that attitude. <laughs> Two weeks after that, on a Sunday night, I'm standing at the pulpit like this, holding on to it. I look around the room, and I'm the only one standing in the room. My wife is over at the keyboard, and she's laying on, sort of on the floor with one hand on the keyboard playing a chord here and there. God had just exploded, in people on their faces, people had slid out of their pew, under the pew, people on their backs. I mean, a bomb of the Spirit went off in that room. That started a three and a half year sovereign move of God. The motto during that year, that period of time was, we show up and just see what God was going to do. It literally changed the culture of that town. Their town was known for mañana. If you don't know what mañana is, it's why should I do today what I can put off till tomorrow. If you got, if you got everybody there within 20 minutes of start, you did good. They weren't, God moved in such a way that people were not only on time, they were early, because number one, you might not get a seat. Number two, because we went from fifty people to over hundred and fifty people in a six-month period of time. Most of them twenty-five and under, or, or drug addicts, alcoholics, or etc. Which is prostitutes. You name it. That's what filled the church. In fact, I looked out on one Sunday night and I thought, man, I got a messed up church. I got five people here who a year ago wasn't a drug addict, alcoholic, witch, or prostitute. That, that it filled the church. How I many understand? God's getting ready to bring people in that you wouldn't expect to see in your church. I told God one day, he said, I never drank, I never did drugs. How do I help these people? He said, just give them me. Give them me. Jesus is the answer. I don't care what the problem is. We've seen so many miracles, healings, deliverances, and breakthroughs in people's lives. It was incredible what God was doing. And for three and a half years, we just showed up. We didn't even know how to do most of the stuff that was happening. <laughs> we were just dumb enough to try. Right? What's the worst thing that happened when you try and let Holy Spirit show up? We were learning on the job. Now, we made, did we make mistakes? Oh, my goodness. I probably killed the move. I, I did. Because big lights draw big bugs and I didn't handle all the bugs quite right. But we watched God shake a little town. I probably preached to everybody in that town of 3,000 people at least three to four times. Favor was out off the chart. Any building I wanted in that town was mine. We would do an event for the kids. The cops would call me and say, Pastor, I hear you're doing an event for the kids. Do you need us to block the road off for you? We'll, we'll make sure that two blocks around your church is blocked off so that way we don't have to worry about traffic. I, I had Mexican mafia that was doing stuff for us. <laughs> had that lady in our church, she, this is when we knew we had to get a van. We did a, a kid's crusade. She shows up, I don't remember what kind of vehicle they had. It was a ba- big black SUV. I don't remember what it was, but it was... He, this, it was part of his entourage, because when he went through town, three black SUVs went through town. He was in the middle one, his gun guys in the back, and his gun guys in the front. Tommy was for real. He, him and his brother run drugs and guns across the border. Mexican mafia. You go into his house, there's always two guys with seen pistols sitting on them, standing behind him. Tommy was a nice guy. As far as if he liked you <laughs> right he shows up at my office one day he said hey pastor i noticed someone broke a window out of your, your van give me your keys and i'll go get it fixed cool tommy there's the keys comes back a few hours later said pastor the, what, the 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 window in your van's fixed but and don't worry no one will ever mess with you again words out if they mess with you they mess with me I said, Tommy, you can't threaten people, we're a church. He goes, you don't worry about that. The word's out. <laughs> we never worried about anybody messing with the church anymore. <laughs> Tommy just said. <laughs> Tommy's saved, and his family goes to church today together. He had to get saved in prison from getting caught with some illegal guns, but he got, we prayed for him for a long time, and he took prison to get him saved, but he got saved. God took us from there to Clovis, New Mexico, where we saw eight-week, every night, sustained revival. And we watched God again shake people. Out of that first move, seven young people went to Bible college to go in the ministry. Out of the second move, there's people today in the ministry, and God still, their, their lives changed, many people's lives changed course because of what God did in those moves. After that eight week, we went through some stuff with the church that, where the enemy attacked. And then before we left there, we had another move of, of healing revival where we saw blind eyes, deaf ears, tumors. Everything you can think of got healed. I want you to understand something. When I talk to you about this today, and the reason I asked God, is, why am I sharing all this? He said, because I want you to build a case so them understand. You know what you're talking about. I don't say that to boast in anything I've done because guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I've just tried to keep up. I've showed up and I've tried to keep up. Have I learned a lot in it? You can't be in the presence of God and not learn. That's the greatest place to grow at. Revival has been and moves of God has been the majority of my life. I've been very blessed. I've had great men placed in my life. My spiritual father is in heaven now poured so much into me and taught me so much about Holy Spirit and how to operate in the things of God. I prayed, I begged God, God, send someone who actually knows how to do this correctly so that they can teach me. When I first started hearing from God, I was like a baby with a power tool. I just cut. <laughs> I didn't know you were supposed to Wait and find out what he wanted to do with what he just said. And I said stuff out loud I wasn't ever supposed to say out loud. (laughs) And he brought this great man of God in my life that poured into me and taught me what I I, I read, everything I could, and that helped. And I mean, I just became a student of revival and move of God so I, I, I could properly handle what God was giving me. Now, I've said all of that to understand, to get you to understand. Because I'm going to tell you, I believe I probably killed the first move because I didn't quite understand all that I was supposed to do. I mean, three and a half years—I'll take that again anytime time and be happy. But I think it could even been more than what it was had I understood how to handle things better. So God sent me here today because I said I. There's a message I love to preach called Will There Be Faith? And I, I mean, we, we preach that and we see miracles every time we preach it. We share stories about metal coming out of people's bodies and going grocery shopping with no money and <laughs> all the things that God's done in us through the years. In fact, two weeks ago we saw a lady who had metal in her shoulders and she had limited movement and was in pain and she left there doing this. The metal either turned to rubber or is gone. I don't know. But it wasn't restricting and there wasn't any more pain. See, I, there's nothing my God can't do. When you take the limits off, it becomes powerful. <sighs> glory. Mm. glory. Glory, glory. <sighs> so as it comes along and he touches what he shouldn't touch. <coughs> And the first reason that Uzzah had to die was this. And I'm not going to take long on these. So let, let me give you a couple definitions. Uzzah means might or strength, material or physical, personal, or social, or political. In other words, it's the strength of man. Uzzah was a strong, strapping young man. They, it was at the place of Nakon or Neshan, whichever you pronounce that, uh, threshing floor. It means to be firm, to be stable, to be established. They were in a firm, established place. If you know anything about threshing floors, threshing floors was a place that were lifted up a little bit. They they had removed all the rocks. They had filled in all the holes. It was tamped down so it was solid. It was the most secure and solid place of the entire trip, yet that's where the oxes stumbled. The moment we start depending on our knowledge, our understanding, our strength, we will always stumble. Right. Right. Paul told us that God will, that, that God does how does he say it? Let me say this right. Basically, that God doesn't move in our glory. It's, out, it's second, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 there, you can go read it yourself. In other words, we've got glory of the, our strength, the glory of our In fact, he chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise, and the, 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 I mean, to confound the strong, the foolish things to confound the wise. And so here they are, strong-strapping young men, strong oxen on a smooth and steady space, and all of a sudden, God sticks a, a toe of an angel in front of that ox, and they stumble. And as a response. And it cost him his life. Now remember, David's desire was to bring a move of God to his church. I can, you can probably go, especially in the Assemblies of God, you can probably go to all the assembly of God churches and you'll find that 90-something plus percent of, the, of those churches will tell you, we want to see a move of God. Very few of them ever will. Many times, and the reason God had me show you that this morning, we don't know what a move God is. Many have never seen it. In fact, the generation that we were in has, has went the longest of any generation without seeing a national move of God happen. The national average since the beginning of our nation is every 11 years, God sends a move to this nation. The last major move of God was in the middle 1990s. For year 2022. This has been the longest drought without a sustained move of God happening in our nation this nation has ever saw. I believe some of that is, many rejected the last move. Brownsville, the Toronto outpouring of blessing, whichever one you call it, we mocked it, we rejected it, and God removed it. It was in our ignorance that we did this. This is one of the reasons that Uzzah had to die. It was because of ignorance. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of God, I will also forget your children. Uzzah had to die because he lacked knowledge in what to do. That he did not in his position, in his relationship with God, have avenue to lay hands on the ark. When Eli's sons, Hophinius and and Phinehas, took the ark out to the battle to see that they could defeat the Philistines, and because their hearts were not right, God allowed the ark to be captured and taken over by the Philistines. When the Philistines decided that they were going to move the ark back to Israel because of the uh, attack of hemorrhoids upon the people and and the destruction of their God in the temple, they put it on a new cart to bring it back. David in his ignorance saw that that's the way you move the ark and he tried to do it the way the world did it. When we look more like the world than we do like heaven, we're always going to get what the world has, not what heaven has. We must do things God's way. God has established order in His Word. That's where He operates it. Let me give you an example of that. Psalms tells us we enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. That's the order. Thanksgiving and praise positions us. That's when worship... Worship doesn't start until we get there. Many times we try to jump straight into worship. Let's just worship God. No, thanksgiving and praise positions us to worship. Ruth Heflin, uh, she was part of The Last Move Some. She wrote a book on the glory of God, and in that book she said, We praise God until we come into his presence. Then we worship God until we come before the throne, and then we stand in awe of him. See, we have to do things the way God established. We can't operate out of ignorance. We can't operate about, this is what I think it should be. There's a way that seems right in the man that leads into destruction. we got to know this is the way God does it. That's the reason God put me in the Word for nine months. And He put the Word in me until it was the Word coming out of me so that when we did, when God moved, I could distinguish what was true and what was a lie. This isn't just for pastors. You need to get the Word in you because I tell you, when God starts moving, the witches will show up. When God starts moving, the false prophets will show up. When God starts moving, Satan will send people to pick you out and bring you into deception. You need the Word of God in you. It's true. It works every time. Ignorance is not bliss in the kingdom of God. Ignorance doesn't mean you're stupid. Ignorance doesn't mean you're dumb. It means you don't know. And you don't know what you don't know. The Word will tell you what you need to know. It will show you the ways of God. The protocols of how God says, this is the way it's supposed to happen. Let me tell you how faith happens real fast. I believe, therefore I speak. I speak. Faith isn't a silent hope in our hearts. Faith is the ability to know it to a place where now I will declare it. That which I declare will be established according to Job, right? That's the way it works. Well, but I think, who cares? You can think whatever you want, but if it's not lined up with the Word, it don't work. You need, you need, see I don't think stuff, I know it because the Word said it. David ignorantly put it on a cart because he didn't know they were supposed to put it on the poles and the men of God was supposed to bear up the weight of the glory. It was never the oxen that were supposed to bear the weight. It was never a cart that was supposed to bear the weight. It was the anointed men of God that were to bear under the weight of the Lord to move the presence of God along. Now let me tell you something. This man is not supposed to bear that weight by himself. He needs men and women of God they are going to get around Him, going to stand with Him, going to pray with Him, going to believe with Him, going to declare with Him. When you unify under the vision of what God wants to do in this house, you will see what God wants to do in this house. If you can't align with the vision of what God wants to do in this house, find you another house don't get in the way God God, listen this is the warning God told me when he gave me this message if you're not don't get in the way God's not messing with people this hour it may cost you your life and definitely don't go out and start running your mouth to tear down what God's trying to do God's not going to put up with that stuff in this hour it's better for you to move on silently and so, for others to move you on silently. Ignorance won't work as an excuse. It cost us his life. Number two, again, I'm not going to take as long on these as I did on my, my introduction. Uzzah died because of irreverence. He didn't respect the ark. It had been in the corner of his house. He became familiar with it. He saw the dust collect on it. It was just another piece of the furniture. It had become a tradition to him, commonplace. The awe, the reverence, and the fear was not a part of his culture because it had become a part of his culture. Instead of it being put in the proper place of reverence, it was to be put upon. So he did not think anything of touching it. It had always been around. Well, pastor, I've been around church all my life, and, or preacher. I was pastor for too long. Pastor for thirty years, so sometimes I slip back into that. Well, preacher, I've been around church all my life. I've seen it all. I've heard it all. I promise you haven't. And if you've arrived, please tell me how to get there. I've been pursuing for fifty-five years, and I still feel like I got hundred and twenty or hundred thirty more to even get close to arriving. I've read this Bible through countless times, and I still don't even have a tenth of it down. I spend hours and hours with the Holy Spirit, and there's so much more I want to know about Him. If you arrive, something's wrong. When, When things of God become commonplace to us, we become irreverent. Proverbs 9.10 says this. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That word knowledge of the Holy One there, which is understanding. That word understanding there means that which I've experienced. The only way we know God is by our experience with Him. We can know about God through study. We can know about God through what people tell us. But to know God, I have to experience Him. See, how many understand? Don't, Don't shoot me for this, Pastor. We don't need another sermon. Right? We need an encounter with the Holy One of Israel who sits upon the throne and rules and reigns over all. We need an encounter of the one that mountains melt like wax in his presence. We need an encounter that the universe cannot hold. We need an encounter that when John saw Jesus there in Revelation chapter 1, he fell at his feet as a dead man because he was so holy, he was so awesome, he was so mighty, his flesh could not handle it. Several years ago, I was seeking God's face heavily. And uh, two things happened during that, t- that, that period. One, I was on a, a fast, and I was in the fourth day of the fast, and that morning I woke up, and every fear, rational and irrational, came against me like you would believe. All day long, I would battle in fear, fear, fear. And I've never been, I mean, everybody has battles fear to a certain level, but that was not one of my major battles. But it's like every devil connected to fear within 10 miles showed up at my house and followed me around town all day long. I went to bed early that night because I was wore out. I'm in a four day fast. I'll make you a little tired. Plus, you're always sick around the fourth to sixth day with, with all the d- toxins coming out of your body. And uh, I laid down in the bed, and I was just getting in that almost ready to fall asleep place. I hear him come into the room. Now I'm seeking to know his, seek his face, right? I, I want to show me your face, Jesus. I want to know you more. And Jesus comes out across the room and sits down on the edge of the bed by me and starts talking to me. I was so afraid to open my eyes, I never did. I felt him against me. He was, I could feel a physical presence there pressed against me. But his, his glory was so overwhelming that I trembled and kept my eyes shut for fear if I opened them, I would die. He gave me instructions of what was coming for our lives. And it happened just like he told me that day. He gets up and walks out, and I'm kicking myself. because I've been seeking your face for four days, and I didn't even open my eyes. <laughs> a few days after that, I'm in prayer time. And again, his, this time his presence comes into the room so powerfully, I thought I was going to die because my flesh was being pressed against on a level that I was in pain please back off I can't handle this it's more than I can bear understand just his presence is more than we can bear we don't serve some wimpy little God we serve an all consuming fire we serve one again the mountains melt like wax in his presence we serve one that sings songs over us and if you stop singing we'd all stop existing He's a mighty God. To treat Him as common is foolishness and robs us of the greatness of who He is. We must reverence Him. We must reverence Him to the place that we don't dare touch His glory. We just enjoy it. We don't step in the way when He's moving. We get out of the way and let Him do what only He can do. We honor Him we honor His Word as He does above His own name. We honor His authority. We're submitted to Him. Not my will, but Your will be done. We make Holy Spirit, like Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, they're the very last verse, I think it's thirteen fourteen. Anyway, he says, may you know the fellowship of Holy Spirit. That word fellowship, may, may you know the Holy Spirit as your senior partner. How many of you are in charge or how many of you Holy Spirit is in charge? If Holy Spirit's in charge, that means when you wake up every day, it's like, what are we going to do today, Holy Spirit? I hope you say we're not going to work. No. <laughs> he might say that once or twice a year, but most of the times it's going to be, while well, you're at work today, <laughs> I'm going to bring this person across your path and you're going to encourage them, right? I'm going to bring this sick person across your path at Walmart and you're going to lay hands on them and they're going to walk out healed. I'm telling you, you want life of an adventure, put Holy Spirit at the, at the wheel. It gets crazy. <laughs> we were at McDonald's one, one Sunday, I guess Sunday night, I don't remember, anyway, one time. They were having problems with the computers, and we we're standing there, and the guy in front of us is obviously, his leg is hurting him because of the way he's acting. Holy Spirit nudged me and said, look, I looked, looked up at him. I said, you hurting? And he said, yeah, I hurt my knee. So said, can I pray for you? We're not doing anything else, right? I prayed for him, and the guy gets healed, gets excited, and leaves and never does his order. (laughs) What's wrong with people getting healed at McDonald's? It'll be better for them than the food. (laughs) Right? I couldn't leave. My son's worked there at the time, so I had to. (laughs) I'm telling you This move is not going to be stuck into a church. It's going to be very organic. It's going to ha- happen in homes and businesses, Walmarts, street corners. This will be just the place that you come to celebrate what he's been doing all week. Right? This will be the place that you bring your three neighbors you got saved in so they can get baptized and fill with the spirit or whatever else they need. I don't know if you do this, Pastor. I heard this, someone talk about this other day. Free up your people. If they lead someone to Christ, let them baptize them. <laughs> right? I stopped baptizing people years ago. I've, I've given that over to whoever else wants to do it. Because I'm just here to equip people for the working of the ministry. Right? Now you can do what you want to. This is your church. But I'm just saying, it's, it's a great honor to give that person. You lead them to Christ. Let's learn on you by letting you baptize them. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Third one. Impatience. Uzzah was impatient and too impatient to let God take care of it. He had to help out. I don't know, a lot of times when guest speakers comes in, people don't operate as free or fluid as they normally do. So I don't know what your normal operations here is. But I see a lot of churches and stuff, we go in to minister. The Spirit of God begins to build, and our impatience is, is to move the service on along. As I said, I've been a student of revival for many years, moves of God for many years. When we were in that Lordsburg church one Sunday night, God spoke to me: "There will be a third great awakening in America, and it will be in your lifetime." That was twenty years ago, or a little more. Now, I believe we're on the verge of that. Just by looking at from the from the pandemic and all the other things economically that's happening, that's usually a testimony that God is working on the hearts of his people so he can do a move. Because how many know hardship draws us closer to God? He'd say that has to be but we get lazy when it's all easy. Right? And so he sends hardships our way to, to get us back on our knees to refine our hearts so that then he can do what he wants to do on the earth. That motivates us. And so I believe What he's been doing these last few years is preparing his church for what he wants to do on this earth. Saying all of that, we don't do well with patience. And so the Spirit of God starts moving in a church, and we cut it off because it felt good. So it's time to move up. And God had to teach me this, how to wait. William Seymour, in the uh, Azusa Street Revival, his instructions was the worship team was I'm going to put this box on my head and you don't stop singing until the box comes off. And the box wouldn't come off until it was time for miracles to start happening in the room. And if they sang for two hours he didn't take the box off until Holy Spirit said okay you can take the box off. But the moment that man took the box off all heaven would break loose. And miracles happen and people would be saved and delivered and set free because he waited for the move of the Spirit, not the move of man. He was patient. How many know have you ever watched Benny Hinn? How many know who Benny Hinn is? Okay. Something that Benny Hinn does. And I use him as an example because I've watched him do it a few times and I understand what he's doing. He'll step up to the podium and he'll stand there and he'll say, sing it again. And he'll wait. I call it the holy pause. Because Benny understands. And I prayed, I prayed this, this morning over there. God, I can't do anything. And I don't know what to say. So I surrender to you. Because you can do Everything. You know exactly what to say. Come and move through me. And what Benny's waiting for is for the Holy Spirit to move. If they need to sing it three times, they're going to sing it three times. But he's going to pause until the Spirit opens things up. He's going to wait and let God set everything in order. Our impatience robs us. The moment we move ahead of God, we miss the move of God. That can be momentary. That can be in the big picture of things. We've all missed it. The moment you say, Pastor, I thought we'd be done 30 minutes ago. Ah, this revival we're having... It's just not convenient. Impatience robs us. My mentor used to have a saying a move of God is never convenient, it requires sacrifice. Do you want the convenience of this world? Or do you want a power move of God? It will be your choice. If you feel like you need to touch it, to set it in order the way you want it, you will rob yourself of it. But if you're willing to let the ebbs and flows of Holy Spirit be what He wants them to be. If you're willing to get out of your comfort zones, take your hands off, even though the temptation is so strong to touch it. And I can tell you from experience, the moment man starts touching it is the moment it starts dying. It's the moment the move leaves us. In that three and a half year sovereign move of God, for the first two and a half years we brought no extra speakers in because I was afraid of seeing things. Something messed. Up. I didn't know what to do. I honestly, guys, I was just trying to keep my head above water. I. I was in my early 30s and I had no clue what was going on. I was seeing things. I wasn't even sure, God, do you still do all that? My faith was being stretched and challenged in so many different ways it wasn't even funny. But Holy Spirit guided me enough. That for the most part, I kept my hands off of it. And then at the end, because listen, and again, I'm not saying it's going to be different this time, but for us in that moment, we started stretching the church to the end because when we start getting excited because of the move, everybody's got agendas. <laughs> and we got all these agendas going on, and we missed the main agenda, what God wanted. They yeah, were all good things. They just weren't God things. I don't know what this move's going to look like for this house. But I know God's offering it to you. I know God's saying, I want to I pour out my spirit right here. Now, understand, there's probably t- t- 10 other houses within a, t- a t- t- 10 or 20 mile radius that he's saying the same thing. There. So don't get puffed up about that. And I'm going to tell you, this next move is going to have a lot of unity in it. So, I believe that's one of the things that's going to bring the next move, is when bodies begin to unite. That's one of the reasons we're part of the burn, because it's uniting the churches of Northwest Arkansas. Because it's not about any individual, it's not about any house, it's about God and who is glorifying Him. It's about a body of Christ that don't just love the people who attend their church, but love the body of Christ. We, we must not be ignorant about the things of God. We must not be irreverent and make it commonplace. And we must not be impatient. But we must learn to wait upon the Lord. Letting Him move the way He wants, when He wants, and how He wants. For as long as He wants. The eight-week revival, most of the time, we got home about midnight. Now, the services didn't always last till Midnight. But by the time you get people up off the floor, get them sober enough to drive home, <laughs> and you get everybody out the door and lock everything up, it takes a while. And then we were running classes at 9 or 10 the next morning. <laughs> and then my spiritual father there, we loved to talk, so we we stay up till 2 or 3 that morning. Talking about things, he's pouring stuff into me. I, I probably slept an average of three to four hours a night that, that eight weeks, and refreshed as I could be, because in the glory, there, you don't get tired. I watched people give more than they'd ever given in their lives. had one of my board members come to me and say, "I just feel like I'm supposed to give more. I'm going to go sell my favorite gun." I hear this story. He wanted to give more, so he went and sold his favorite gun and, uh, and gave all the money to a missions project that the minister, my friend, my father, was, was supporting in India. They would buy kids that they were going to kill. In India, if a kid isn't what you want, they take them out and they drown them. And they would find out about it, and they would buy the kids... Yeah, they would give so much money to the village and so much money to the family, and they could buy the kids, and then they had a farm that was self-sustaining, because the people and they would put them in family units on that farm, and they would raise them to save the kids' lives and raise them as Christians. And so he, he was always buying kids. And so my, my board member did this listen. That year, God reimbursed that, him for that sacrifice him and his wife's income doubled in that year. The gun didn't sell, and he went back and bought the gun <laughs> after about three months because the income had come up so much. Now, does God do it that way every time? Sometimes. I don't make promises like that, but I can, can tell you that when God starts moving, incredible things start happening. Lives start getting transformed and changed. Supernatural things start happening. Prodigals start coming in. I mean, you got someone, a prodigal, you're believing God for. God wants to build an atmosphere in this house that becomes so attractive that they can't resist. See, they don't want to... This man's probably a great preacher, but they don't want to come hear this man preach but they start hearing Jesus is here. And he's doing things like no one's ever saw being done before. And you won't be able to keep them out. I'm here to prophesy over you. There's a move reserved for this house. There's, There's things that no one's ever saw before reserved for this house. And if you will put God in His proper place and do what He wants done, He will bring that move to this house and He will shake this area through this house. It won't be church as usual. I personally don't like church. I think it's boring. But I love a move of God. I love blind eyes opening. I love deaf ears opening. I love watching metal come out of people's body. I, I, I love watching a little boy whose arm had stopped growing. And it was that arm was that much longer than the other. And watching God grow it right out in front of our eyes. I love watching tumors disappear out of people's bodies. And doctors cussing because they can't figure it out. One of my favorite things is make a doctor cuss. I had covid Year and a half ago, and I got pneumonia in sixty percent of my lungs. And my wife took me in, get to the host, emergency room, and they admitted me in the hospital. They put me on oxygen. The fourth day, the doctor comes in, and says, "I said, when do I get to go home?" He goes, he laughed. He said, "Oh, you're going to be with us for a while." He said, "I had a lady come in, in your shape in December. We're still trying to get her lungs. This was last of February. We're still trying to get her lungs cleared up." I'm like, "Well, I don't like you." <laughs> I Don't like your attitude. So the next day he comes into my room, and he's shaking his head and he's mad. and I'm like, "What in the world's going on?" I said, "What's wrong, Doc?" He said, "You're going home. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. You had 60 percent of your lungs covered yesterday. You have zero in your lungs today. In 24 hours it disappeared. I don't understand it. Go home. And that's the way he said it. Go home! He was mad because it didn't make sense to him. And he turned around and walked out. I didn't get a chance to say anything. He just, just walked up. I think the devil got tired of me praying for all the nurses. That's messing up their system. are supposed to be depressed. You're in hospital with COVID. And I'm encouraging and praying for all the nurses. They're bringing me good food from home. We had parties in my room, right? I was the party room. There's nothing my God cannot do. There's nothing my God cannot do. There's nothing my God cannot do. Right. <laughs> God cannot do. Yeah. <sighs> Stand with me. I don't know where to end this at. said, so he messed this whole sermon up on me. I, I preached this sermon different. <laughs> this is the way he said to do it. Now stretch your hand towards your pastor and his wife. Mm. Sure, come
2: here.
0: Fresh oil, God. Fresh oil. Fresh oil. Yeah. I loose the winds of refreshing over you in Jesus' name. I declare an open heaven over everything that you say and do. Angels will assist in everything you do. I declare an increase of the anointing of Holy Spirit over your life. Increase, 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 increase. na <laughs> nay. I declare supernatural wisdom and understanding coming to you right now. That things you don't even understand at this moment will, will, will be revealed to you by in Jesus' name. I declare God is opening things up to you like you've never saw before. That this will be the greatest season of your ministry. That they, oh, the, God has reserved you for this hour. Oh, glory! Glory, 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 glory. Everything you have gone through, everything you have encountered, everything you have discovered, everything that that you have walked through up to this moment has just been a preparation for what is yet to come. And I declare over you, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Glory, 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 glory. Break! Break! Oh, Shh. glory, God! Ah, baby, I sh- I glory, Jesus! Yes. Glory, Lord! Glory, it. glory! More, ah, more, ah, more, ah, more, ah, more! Ah, more. Ah, now, Lord! Fire, fire! Yeah! Baptize him in the fire, God! <coughs> baptize him in the fire baptize him in the fire baptize him in the fire fire. let him burn for you God let him burn for you oh thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you God thank you Father thank you Lord if you need anything from God today I don't care what it is I haven't seen anybody raised from the dead so if you're hearing dead today we'll, we'll see what God does but there's not much else I haven't seen him do. I don't, I don't care if it's financial, physical, spiritual, relational, emotional, or mental. Whatever you need from God, I'm here to agree with you today. I believe we're going to walk out here with testimonies of miracles, of healings, of deliverances, and of breakthroughs in your life. I've, I didn't come here to play games, I come here to do damage to the kingdom of hell. I've come here to bring glory and honor to the kingdom of heaven. God deserves the glory for what you need. And you deserve the blessing. And so anything you need, if you'll come right now, I'll pray with you and I'll agree with you on it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone who has a need today? You can keep your problem or you can let Jesus fix it. Come now. What you need God to do? Turn this off so I
3: worship you, you are here, mending every heart, I worship you, I worship you, you are. Way make, miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. In the darkness. You never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working Never stop, never stop working Never stop, you are here Touching every heart I worship you I worship you You are here Healing every heart, I worship you, I worship you, you are here turning lives around. I worship you, I worship you, you are here, mending every heart. Worship you, I worship you. You are the way maker, miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are the way maker, miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. That is who you are, 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 that is who you are even when I don't see it you work. shadow in my weakness your glory appears i'm not
2: God's moving, amen? I think this is just the beginning of what God's doing in our church. So uh, I don't know if I have any ushers. (laughs) Somebody could hold the offering bag back there. Uh, We have, um, you can either give in here. We also have, there's a box outside uh, in the foyer that you can drop it off in there as well, or you can give online. And uh, so if you want to give specifically to their ministry today, you can mark it. Uh, You can mark a special speaker or whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, to identify who it goes to, and we'll make sure that 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 goes.
0: I don't mean to interrupt, but we also do every day or most every day I put a post out. Uh, just words of disi- sometimes prophetic words, but mostly words of discipleship or encouragement type stuff, if you 'd like to receive those words, if you go into uh, RevivalNationNetwork.com, com dot com on Facebook, you can follow us there. We want it to be a blessing to whoever uh, and however we can bless you and so if you 'd like to have, have I access po- to that. So.
2: I posted his website to uh, the post that I made on Facebook, well, so the same- Okay, there you go. And you can also go to his Facebook page as well. So um, so uh, can, we, can we stand? Lord, we just thank you for this time that you've moved in this place today. We thank you for your power and your presence. We thank you for the word that, given, that you gave to us today. We thank you for your anointing that's flowed in this house like, like we haven't experienced in a while. And God, I just pray right now, God, that you would just touch every heart that's here, that as they leave this room, God, that they go with that fire inside their belly and the fire inside their heart, that they are ready and to want more of you, to desire more of you, that we will see these things that have been spoken over this house fulfilled. And God, I pray for every person today, God, that gives. God, I pray that you would just bring blessings to their family. I pray that you bring blessings to their homes. God, I pray that it would just be flowing in ways like we, they've never seen before. Amen. You said that you would to try us and see if you would not open up the windows of heaven. So, God, as we give our tithe today, God, I pray that you would pour out blessings upon every person here. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful week. Uh, pray for our kids as we go to kids' camp. Leave tomorrow. And uh, also be here Wednesday night. And they have books out in the foyer at a table out there.